Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Well, in the last couple of weeks, we have been on a journey of uh, seeing the vision that God has put on our leadership team and our, our future for Journey Church Ventura. And I'm so excited about that because we have talked about, uh, the first week we talked about I see an irresistible church. I see an irresistible church. Why? Because if the church is truly the church, which is the body of Christ, then the irresistible Jesus is who people are drawn to. Amen? And, and it's not us. It's God that we want people drawn to. And so I see an irresistible church. Why? Because we're going to become more and more like Jesus every single day. Every single day, we're going to become more like Jesus. And the more we become like him, he's the irresistible part of, this, of, of our hearts, of what people will be drawn to. I'm so very, very excited about that. And every environment that we create, we're creating an environment so that people will be open to who Jesus is. And uh, we're going to make those the best environments possible. Last week, we talk, talked about, I see a church full of kids. I see a church full of children. And that's amazing because if we don't share our faith and our journey and what God has done with the next generation, it will be a godless generation. And they will give themselves to the things of this world rather than to the things of God. And I want to encourage you, we need to do everything we can to prioritize kids and everything about kids. And so I'm going to make just one little adjustment. That's the adjustment that we need to make right there. There's some kind of feedback happening, and if you need to shut it down, feel free to do so. But um, <clears throat> that sounds good right there. That's awesome. So I see a church full of children. And this week, we're going to talk about I see a church, a generous church. I see a generous church. I see a church that is so generous that we are blessed beyond measure, and at the same time, not because of our, the blessing we receive, but because of what God is doing, we will see the community reached and the world reached and touched by the generosity of his church. So let's start with this. Let's start with the reminder of what our mission statement is. Let's never forget what we, why we exist as a church. Journey Church Ventura exists to enter into the journeys of those who have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness while growing together in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's never forget that mission statement that we have that is always going to be why we exist. We exist to enter into the journeys of those who have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness while at the same time, while growing together in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We also have a passion verse. This verse defines our motive for doing what we do. And that is Romans 15, 20. It says this, It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, it is, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. Why? Why did you have to change your schedule? Because somebody in your life who does not know Jesus needed your time. And so you got off your schedule. You, you did something different than what you had planned. Maybe you didn't come to a Sunday service because somebody in your life who does not know Jesus needed your time. And that's, that's a priority over coming to church. 
believe it or not. The eventuality of bringing them to church is awesome, but the first need that is out there today are those that do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And if we will do everything we can, including letting our, in, our schedules be interrupted so that they can have a connection with us and with Jesus in us, then we are going to win and we are going to see God continue to grow his church. Amen? Amen? All right? All right. So here's our vision. There's two vision statements I want to share with you. Next week, we're going to hand you a whole sheet of all the vision statements that I'm sharing with you uh, during the series. But here's two vision statements on this sheet of vision statements that uh, we will address today. I see a church who ties with faith and and generously without fear. A church who overflows in blessing because of its generosity in giving and sacrifice. A church who is able to care for its own while generously serving the needs of our community and world. Let me read that again. I see a church who ties with faith and gives generously without fear. A church who overflows in blessing because of its generosity in giving and sacrifice. A church who is able to care for its own while generously serving the needs of our community and world. And if you take that statement and you put that up against scripture, you'll find that every one of those phrases is supported by scripture. We'll see a little bit of that in the coming message. Secondly, I want to share this vision statement with you. And it says, I see a church who engages the unreached corners of the world through church building. A church who supplies the resources necessary to build structures that will become church community centers for indigenous pastors to reach their community. Listen to that very carefully because it's part of who we will become as a church. I see a church who engages the unreached corners of the world through church building. A church who supplies the resources necessary to build structures that will become community centers for indigenous pastors to reach their community. This is a a part of my heartbeat, a part of what we believe as a leadership team is the heartbeat of Journey Church Ventura, and that is to do whatever it takes to go and build churches around the world. In my 35 years of ministry experience, I've discovered, I think, I believe I've discovered what is one of the most effective ways to reach unreached people groups, and that is to empower pastors around the world with a building. We went and built a, 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 a church in um, what's called, uh, I'm sorry, Port-au-Prince in Haiti. And, and, and a, a, there's a, a little city outside of Port-au-Prince called Cité Soleil. And Cité Soleil was a, a place that is like the ghetto of Port-au-Prince. It was a, just a, a very, very uh, impoverished, people living in structures that were built by outhouses, the sides of plastic outhouses. They took them apart and they put the, the structures up to give themselves walls. They have a dirt floor and they, they have kids. They have children in those settings and uh, the sewers flowing through the streets, all these kinds of places. We went and we built a church in C.T. Soleil, Port-au-Prince. And it was amazing to see what this church has become. It's become a school. It's become a a community center. It's become a feeding center. It's become a help. And this pastor is doing all kinds of things to reach this area of C.T. Soleil because we built a church in this little city. And it's the power and the passion that I have to build churches all around the world so that we can see God raise up these indigenous pastors who are far more effective than you and I could ever be we give them the tool to to become this community center and reach hundreds, if not thousands of people for Christ, if not millions. And and that's what I pray for. 
So that's our vision. I see a church who ties with faith and, generous and gives generously without fear. I see a church who engages the unreached corners of the world through church building. These are the two insights that I want to talk about today. And I want to talk about that because it's all about using our funds, our resources to make a difference in this world. The tension that comes when we talk about money is one thing you need to realize about me as your pastor is I will never be afraid to talk about money. Uh, for, for the biggest reason is it's, it's common. It's, it's, what we, it's what we use to live with. It's what we use to, to make a difference with. It's what is needed to help the church move forward, help the church do what it does. And when I say the church, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about you and me, what we need to collaborate. And when we collaborate, and when we give faithfully, and when we see, and we, we work together to accomplish these goals that I've mentioned, we can do tremendous things with, with the funds that are just in our church, just in this context. And we, I believe that God is going to bless us and the generosity of our church. And so I believe that uh, when there's a tension, I, I get that there's a trust factor when it comes to funds. I think there are churches around the world, there's ministries around the world that have abused the whole idea of giving and all those kinds of things. And I realize that trust has been lost in some cases. And I hope that's not the case for you. But we will always be transparent with our funds here at Journey Church Ventura. We'll always be transparent about our budget. We'll always be transparent about our expenses. And there will never be anything that you can't ask a question about. And so if you ever have a question financially, we want to build that trust with you. We want you to know that it's well taken care of and it's being spent appropriately. Also, the fear factor of uh, money. When we talk about money, there's a fear factor that, that enters into it, especially in this, this crazy COVID experience that we're in. And there's lockdowns and closings and restaurants that can't, I mean, all these kinds of things. We have a cool little plan that I'll share with you next week about how to help uh, the servers or the waiters or waitresses in uh, the restaurants in town. Uh, next week, I'll talk about that. But the fear factor is this, is that you and I depend on finances. We depend on them to pay our bills and to, to do the things that we want to do and, and all those kinds of things. And to talk about giving or giving beyond what you're already giving is scary. I get that. I get that. And we're going to address that directly today. There's also this blessing perspective that creates attention in uh in the world today. And the idea of blessing, we've, uh, in America especially, we've defined blessing as prosperity. We've defined blessing as having more. And those that have more, we call blessed. And those that have less, we call not blessed. And I think that's wrong. I don't think that's the perspective of scripture. If that's the perspective of scripture, then Jesus was the most unblessed individual you could come across because he did not have a home and he did not have a whole bunch of finances. Of course, he was the creator of the world. He, he did, uh, by the way, um, speak into existence bread and fish for over 5,000 people and 4,000 people in a different time. And so Jesus didn't really need to reach into his pocket and go, I don't have anything to give. He just had to speak it and it happened. But <laughs> we don't have that skill. All right, I get that. But at the same time, we need to understand what blessing truly is. Blessing first is knowing that we have no separation between us and God. That's the beauty of it. And we have a promise of eternal life. Those are the two things that we are blessed with and have an enormous amount of blessing. And anything beyond that is icing on the cake. And so I believe that there is blessing, but there is blessing to be defined in the context of relationship, not just prosperity. Is that okay? Is that okay? All right. There's also this uh, tension that we feel um, in giving that when I, when I have, then I will give. 
And many of us kind of define that if I have more, then I can give at that point, instead of understanding that we need to give wherever we're at. And that's the beauty of, of tithing. That's the beauty of just giving is that it, it, God, God looks at the heart of the gift, not at the quantity of the gift. We talked about that several weeks ago with the widow's mite who gave everything she had while the wealthy was giving a, a, a a, a portion of what they had. And he said, this woman has given everything and these people have given hardly anything in comparison to their wealth. And so it's the heart of the gift, not the gift itself, not the size of the gift that makes a difference. And then the, the last tension that I think feeds into the, the talk about money is the mine mentality. This is my money. Mine. We learn that as, as little children, right? And you get that 18-month-old, two-month-old, or two-year-old, and they start saying, mine. And they hold on to it, and you get them around other kids, and the kids want to play with the toy they're playing with. And then what do the kids say? Mine. This is mine. This is mine. This is mine. And we have to get beyond that. And we do that with our own finances. This is mine. And we have to get beyond that. I'm not calling you children and, or us children because I've, I've had that men, same mentality at times as well. But we have to get beyond that mentality and not talk about what's mine, but we'll talk about what's his. And when we do that, then it completely becomes a different conversation. It becomes a completely different issue. And it doesn't have to deal with attention. It has to deal with the, an act of worship, which is the beautiful part of <coughs> tension. Uh, or, or, or understanding that God, everything is God's. When it's not mine and it's God's, then it's just like, God, what do you want? And that makes the conversation a, a lot easier. So we're going to talk about money today. Now, Je Journey Church Ventura has been super blessed over the last year. And, and believe it or not, during this COVID period, it has been one of the coolest things to watch and one of the most challenging things to go through as we've dealt with our own finances here at the church. And all of you, many of you know that we've gone through a, a tremendous amount of transition, tremendous amount of change here at Journey Church Ventura. But one of the things that we've been able to do over the last year is reduce enormous amount of costs. We've renegotiated contracts. We've gotten out of uh, uh, leasing buildings. We've done all kinds of things to re reduce as many expenses as we possibly can. And uh, the, 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 the mere fact of doing that has saved us thousands of dollars a month in experiencing a savings in that regard. On, once COVID hit, we were able to take advantage of what was called the PPP loan or the Payroll Protection Program, loan program that uh, the government provided. And as a result, we had a period of time where we were able to cover our, our, um, our wages with those funds. And the beauty of it is, the way the things are working out, it should be completely forgiven. Um, once all the paperwork is turned in and once all the processes are, are finished, that uh, $58,000 that was used to cover uh, wages will be forgiven as that loan. And so that's an exciting thing. Amen? Weirdly, strangely, we had a, a, a leak that happened just after COVID took place and all the buildings were closed down. We had a leak, a water leak in our church facility that ended up being about $215,000 worth of damage. And it, strangely enough, that was a blessing in disguise because yes, it was messy. Yes, it was a lot of work and all these kinds of things. But $215,000 later, you can see the difference inside. And upstairs and downstairs, we were able to replace flooring, carpet, walls, remove walls, change things. And um, it's a beautiful experience in there. Why? Because of a unique water leak. Uh, no one caused it. It was caused by a broken... Uh, supply line to a, a toilet 
And uh, a leaky toilet, that's all it took for $215,000 worth of damage. But it ended up being a $215,000 blessing to redo so many of the different things that happened inside the building. And if you haven't had a chance to look, um, we're not supposed to, but you can wander off. If you get lost, just (laughs) enjoy the view. We were able to liquidate an enormous amount of extra equipment to help pay for needed technical equipment that has helped with all of our needs with live streaming, outdoor services, and some improvements that we've made inside. And so there was a tremendous amount of sound and technical equipment that was unnecessary that we we, uh, gathered together from all these buildings and we sold all that and used a lot of that equipment and and, uh, finances to purchase other equipment that we're using today to help with live streaming, to help with uh, keeping us moving forward. And that's the, one of the beautiful things that I've seen during this time is we've seen the church move forward as we've gone through COVID rather than take a step back, rather than go backwards, rather than shut down completely. We've continued to move forward and continue to make progress in so many different ways. And so I'm gonna give this truck a little bit of time. If you're online, there's a truck going by us right now. It makes a little bit of noise. <clears throat> Not bad though. He could honk, and that would make it interesting. The only thing that's created a little bit of tension is that over these, this period of time, pre-COVID, uh, we were at uh, about $57,000 in income every, every month. And right now, we're averaging just over $35,000. So there's a 30% difference in giving between pre-COVID and now. And we understand that. We understand that that is related to uh, jobs, that's related to work, that's related to fear, that's related to a lot of different things. And so I'm not here to talk about a, a, a trouble we're in, but I'm here to talk about a challenge we're facing. And that is simply this, is that we're 30% difference in giving between pre-COVID and now. And what that, real, that 30% really equals to is our mortgage. Our mortgage every month is $16,000. And every month we, we and, and so here's a blessing. And I'm just gonna continue to share what God is doing and it's a really cool thing. For our lender has provided us a deferral for the months of January through April. So the first four months of 2021, we don't have to pay our mortgage which is a blessing. That's an absolute blessing. It doesn't mean that it's going to go away because 18 months later, we have to start paying that back. But it does give us a window of time to pray, seek God, continue to make adjustments. We've made adjustments in our staffing. We've made adjustments um, that we're downsizing in a couple areas in staffing. We're down, continuing to try and renegotiate some contracts and all those kinds of things that are still out there that we can make adjustments to. And so the first thing that we should ever do when we as a church are dealing with any kind of financial challenge is one, ask ourselves, are we managing well? Are we good stewards of what we've been given to manage? And so um, that's one of the things that we're doing. We prioritize our essential needs. We prioritize uh, previous or, or prior commitments that have been made. So we continue to fulfill those and we reduce costs whenever and wherever we can. So those are the things that we're doing. The second thing we do when we face a financial need is talk about it. I'll always be transparent with you guys and talk about any challenges that we're facing. And and so that's what we're doing. We encourage regular tithing. We always encourage that because that is a spiritual issue, not a church need issue. And I'll talk more about that in just a minute. We encourage generosity beyond the tithe. 
And so there's, there's the opportunity, if anybody feels led, to give beyond your tithe. That's always an opportunity. We keep it real. We keep it real. We don't, we, we don't um, um, try and, and schmooze or, or uh, kind of paint, paint a picture that isn't real. We keep it real. And we let you guys know exactly what's going on all the time. That's the only way to build trust and confidence and to address <coughs> real issues. And then I think the most important thing, and this is what we're doing today, is planning for growth. We plan for growth. We don't plan to, to stay where we're at. We don't plan to, to continue. Reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ is the best answer to any financial challenge that comes to a church. Why? Because as the church grows, so does everything else. But the priority is not the money, it's the people. And that's what has to become the focus of everything that we do. It never becomes about the money. It never becomes about the issues. It always remains, what do people need in this world? And that's Jesus Christ. And how do we best care for them? We share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And how do we best love them? We express ourselves with generosity. We express, express ourselves um, <clears throat> the way scripture teaches us to do so. So I want to make this one thing really, really clear after I've explained all that is this simple thing. Tithing and giving are spiritual health issues, not building needs issues. You hear that? Tithing and giving are spiritual health issues, not the needs of the church issues. I want to make that really clear. The church has always operated based on what it's given, not what it creates. So, and, and this is not always true with, with a lot of churches and a lot of uh, ministries. Sometimes they create stuff that they have to go out and, and beg, plead, and, and borrow for everything that they, they try and accomplish. And, and that's not a healthy perspective. We, we grow as the giving grows. And we continue to, to, to grow as, as the spiritual health of the church grows. And when that gets going, there's no stopping the church. And that's why I say it's a spiritual health issue, not a church needs issue. And so the big question is, what is the reason for a hesitant giving? Or giving that might not be as healthy as it could be. Okay? And, and I'm not trying today, I want you to understand, I'm not trying to squeeze a turnip <laughs> any more than it can be squeezed. I'm not trying to, to giving is between you and God, okay? Giving is between you and God. And uh, I believe that God is going to speak to your life and speak to those that are online and speak even beyond that to anybody that listens to this beyond today. But the big question is, <clears throat> why don't people give? And why, don't people, why are people hesitant to give? Did a little study of um, giving in America only three to five percent of the church actually gives. Only three to five percent actually give and tithe. And, and that's, that's just a, a, an incredible, um, in my mind, it's an incredible opportunity. It's not, a, it's, it's uh, yes, it, you could call it an indictment against the church or it's generosity, but I see it as, as just a beautiful opportunity of encouraging people to trust God that when they give, God blesses and God will continue to bless and uh, <clears throat> I'll share a statistic with you that's just a crazy one in just a few moments. But the big question is, how do, we come over, how do we overcome the fear of giving or tithing? How do we overcome that fear? And first, this is, this is what I believe needs to happen. We, need, we must see tithing as an act of worship, not as a rule of law. But tithing is an act of worship. It started that way. It started as a recognition of what God is doing in, in, in your life. We, 
with Cain and Abel. It started right there when Cain was giving leftovers from his crop and Abel was giving the first fruits of his crop to God. And God said, I love Abel's gift because it's the, it's the, it's the pure expression of what I've done for him versus Cain was giving him leftovers and saying, hey God, this is what I get for it. And Abel was like, this is, you deserve the best, God. And it was about worship. It was not about a rule of law. And uh, Abraham gave to a priest named Melchizedek. Melchizedek at that time was a representation of who God was. And Abraham, not, this was before the law was ever given. Abraham gave him a tenth of some spoils from a, a battle he won because he believed that God deserved praise in that context. That's why Abraham gave. And so th this, this idea of tithing, this idea of giving and, and sacrificing uh, what we have is to be an act of worship, not a rule of law. And I want to make that clear. That's why, you know, no one's going to ask you for your tax returns. No one's going to bill you for your tithe. No one's going to do that because this is an expression from your heart to the Lord. And when it becomes that, it becomes something very, very special. Malachi 3, 6 through 12 says this, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. So the, God is encouraging the Israelites to come back to him because they've left him. They've, they've stopped uh, uh, giving him first place in their lives. But you ask, how are we to return? And then verse 8 says, will a, man, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. This is the only place that God says test me. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now here's the reality of this statement. This is not about money. This... They are not robbing God of money. And this is really interesting. How can you rob a God who can, who can part a seat? How can you rob a God who can drop enough manna from heaven to feed a million or two people in the desert? How can you rob a God who can speak the worlds into existence? How can you rob a God who will put pheasant out there so that the entirety of Israel can eat and have a good meal during their 40 years in the desert? How can you rob a God that is able to take two loaves and uh, two, uh, two fish and, and five loaves and multiply that fish so that, and that bread so that 5,000 people can eat? You can't rob a God of money. He doesn't need it. But what he does need and what he does want is worship. He wants an expression of worship, of love. What we're robbing God of and what the, the, the people of Israel were robbing God of was not money. It was worship. It was submission. It was giving of, of themselves to God. It was trust. The, the reality is when we hesitate to give or when we feel like God's saying, give this and we don't, it's most often because of fear. I've gone through it. I've done it. I've hesitated, I've not given because of fear. 
at times. Oh, if I give this, then I won't have that. Or I'll, I'll, I'll sacrifice this and then I'll, and then I'll have to resave it again. Or, or whatever the case may be. And, and I, I, it's fear. It's a reality that many of us, if not all of us, deal with. And I don't think it's, it's unreasonable. I don't think it's, it's human to feel that. But the supernatural side of that is understanding that when we rob God, we're not robbing him of the money because he, he could speak it into existence. We're robbing him of the worship expression. We're robbing him of saying, God, I trust you. I believe in you. I have faith and confidence in you to do everything that you promised you would do. And that is if I give to you, you will provide everything that I need. And the beauty of it is he doesn't ask us to give what we don't have. He can't. You can't give more than what you have because it's not there to give. But you can give what you do have. And I love the tithe. That's a percentage. That means it doesn't matter what the, 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 how much you make or how much I make or whatever the case may be. It's just a, a percentage. And ultimately, it's not even a rule of law about the percentage. It's you and God saying, God, I love you. Thank you for giving to me. Thank you for providing for me. And I worship you with my whole heart. I worship you with the first fruits of my labors. I worship you with my, the first fruits of my time. I worship you with the first fruits of my mind. All these things that we have, there's not just money that's in, in, engaged here. It's your heart. It's your time. It's your energy. It's your intellect. It's everything that we give to God. If we put him first and we trust him with everything, he comes through. He comes through, and I just cannot tell you how beautiful it is to watch as, as I, in my personal experience, I've tithed all my Christian life, all my Christian life, mostly simply because I believe it's an expression of my love and trust in him, not because it's a rule of law, not because of anything else, but because I believe God is saying, I will take care of you. I will, I, because you trust me, you, you can put your faith and confidence that I will provide every need you have. When we hesitate, we take the reins. We take the reins from God and we say, God, I'll drive this. I'll drive this, this, uh, this life that I have. We're acting in fear, not faith. We're, we're see, we see ourselves as the provider rather than God as the provider. And that's a dangerous position to be in. I find this one little statistic that was studied by a group called uh, Nonprofit uh, giving, and they said that people who tithe regularly typically have less debt than other demographics. Eight out of 10 have zero credit card debt, and 28% of them are completely debt-free, including not having a mortgage. That was a study of people who tithe. And, and <laughs> that's a crazy number. That's eight out of 10 have zero credit card debt, and 28% of them are completely debt-free, including... Uh, <clears throat> not having a mortgage. That is, that's a crazy number. I, I, I don't have any other way to verify that number other than what this study says, but I think it's a crazy number. But it's a crazy God who's being faithful to those who are expressing their love and trust in him. And that's, that's the beauty of, of giving. And so if we're going to overcome fear, we have to see the tithe and giving as an expression of worship, not as a rule of law. Second, we must view giving as an investment and not an expense. We must see it as an investment in the kingdom, not as an expense out of our checkbook or our pocketbook. Okay, listen to this passage. Matthew chapter six says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I love this statement because it, it says, don't store up here, but do store up there. It says, do store up there. That means every effort you make to store up something in heaven, every time we express our, our trust and our confidence in God, that he, at that point, begins to store up something for you and I up in heaven. I don't know what that means. How can heaven be a, a, a place where you store something up? I don't know what that... I, Honestly, I mean, if you're looking for a pastor who gets every little <laughs> idiom in scripture, I don't get this one because I don't know what storing up looks like in heaven, but there's a, there's a place to deposit things into. And when you get there, it's going to be, oh, look at that. It's not going to be a 401k. And it's going to be something really cool. <laughs> for me, it's going to be a tamale bucket, okay? And so... <clears throat> going to be store up your treasures in heaven. So we need to look. If, if you're afraid to give, it could be because you're seeing it as an expense rather than an investment. It could be that you're seeing giving as something that is taking away from you rather than storing something up for you. And if that's the case, then we're probably storing more for here than we are trying to store for there. And it's a hard issue. And so we, we, we have to see giving as an investment rather than as a, an expense. And third, we cannot fear when God has promised provision. We cannot fear. The, the Bible's really clear. In Matthew, it says simply this. It says, Matthew chapter 6, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? That's the most important statement you could hear this morning. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? We need to understand that God's promises are good, and he will take care of us. Yes, we can put ourselves in difficult circumstances. Yes, we can go in debt to the point of costing us more than we can afford. We could do that and we could hurt ourselves. Don't, don't always expect God to bail you out from that. Okay? That's stuff that we have to repent of and come back from and, and spend appropriately and get our act together. That's all stuff that we, we could bring upon ourselves. But don't blame God because God says, I will take care of you if you'll let me take care of you. And when we take the reins from him, then we get the result of whatever we create for ourselves. But if we give him the reins, we say, God, you're in control. I trust you. You're going to take care of my clothing. You're going to take care of my food. You're going to take care of my shelter. You're, and, and yeah, we still have to work. We still have to do that. But I've seen God provide jobs for me. I've seen him provide for others. To, that's how he provides. He provides us a job so that we can work. And if you don't have a job, then he provides other ways. And sometimes if you look at the New Testament, the church always comes together to support each other and encourage each other and help each other and to take care of each other. And that's another part of what generosity really brings to the church is the reality that we can care for each other. It's a beautiful thing. And I don't have time to go into that whole thing right now, but the power of generosity allows the church to take care of itself and to take care of its community. It's really, really amazing what can happen. So the tithe is... Uh, is something that we have to overcome. We have to overcome the fear of giving, the over, overcome the fear of, of, of allowing our funds to go to God so that God can do what he promises he would do. 
And that's one of the uh, other commitments. After 35 years of ministry, I've learned that if we don't keep it real, transparent, on the table, here's what we're doing, here's what we're spending, here's uh, what, what's going on in the church. If we don't do that, then we lose confidence and trust. People don't like to give to something they don't see what's happening. People don't like to give to things. And, and that's, that's not control, that's just common sense. And so I'm, I'm praying and asking God to continue to help us keep everything on the table so that you all know what's happening at Journey Church Ventura. You all know what exactly we're giving to, what exactly you're giving to, and what we are giving to together. But most importantly, we're not giving to our own cause. We're giving to the cause of Jesus Christ, the purpose that he set before us. That's why for this vision series, I see a church. That's why we're reading the mission statement every week and the passion verse and keeping our hearts focused on what this is all about. I see an irresistible church. It's about coming to a Jesus that is irresistible. I see a church full of kids. It's about a, a church that is developing an environment where kids wake up their, their parents and say, I want to go to church. Get out of bed. And if you stayed in bed this morning, parents, I'm sorry. That's a, get up, okay? Because our kids' environment is amazing. And I see a generous church. When we are generous, God does amazing things. Overcoming our fears, realizing that God is our provider, realizing that God deserves our faith. What we're robbing him of is not money. It's our worship. It's our faith in him. It's our trust in him. And when we start giving and when we start being generous with what we've been given, his things, then we can see God do some pretty amazing things. When we realize the difference we make when we give faithfully, we will continue to give with our hearts content. And we realize that God never lets us down. There's one last passage I want to read to you, and that's simply this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, it's a little bit lengthy, but it, I'll, I'll stop at the point where it, the, the, the point I really want to hit hard. It says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, it says, Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. If you've been around the church, you've probably heard that verse bunches and bunches of times. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. And I want to emphasize the, those little statements, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Never at Journey Church Ventura do we want anybody to feel manipulated or to feel guilted into giving. Giving is between you and God. And so this passage says, don't give reluctantly or out of this guilt uh, experience or uh, compulsively where you feel manipulated or, or motivated by, by some, some sense of emotion. Yeah, emotion can play a part in your giving, but it shouldn't be the only reason that you give. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, that they have freely scattered the, their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. There's a purpose and a cause for, for our giving. Verse 10 says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. In thanksgiving to God. Now, here's the part I want to really, really land on. This 
service that you perform, this giving, this generosity that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. In other words, the giving, the generosity of the church, the cumulative effort to do something great for God results in others recognizing that. We want our community not to see us as a rich church, but as a generous church. Not a church that's serving itself, but a church that's serving them. And when we have the ability to do that, when we have the generosity that allows us to be a giving church, that allows us to be a generosity, a generous church, and a church that can reach around this world and build churches and enable pastors to pastor churches in, in unreached neighborhoods, what an amazing experience that is going to be. And that's the reason I'm asking everyone, asking everyone to prayerfully consider where you are in your giving journey in, in, in Christ. And you're giving experience. Where are you? What's God doing in your heart? What's God speaking to you? What's he telling you today? As you realize this is not a rule of law. This is an act of worship. This is an act of experiencing God. We want, to become, uh, we want it to become evident that God is moving at Journey Church Ventura. And one of, the, one of the things that will show that God is moving is our generosity. And that generosity will extend to the, the needs of our community, the needs of our world, and as we see that, and the needs of our church. And when we see that, God is going to be glorified and exalted and lifted up. And that's why I'm never going to apologize for talking about generosity. I'm never going to apologize about talking for what is a heart thing, not a rule of law thing. And I believe God's doing something special right now. I see a church whose mortgage is paid off. Yeah. We, we, owe, we owe $3 million. That sounds like a lot of money. And it is. It's a lot of money. We pay. I'm gonna, I, I wasn't quite sure. I was, I'm going along today. But we pay $11,000 right now, almost $11,500 in interest alone in our mortgage. That's, that, that could be ministry money. So I'm praying that somehow we can pay that $3 million off and all that money can go to ministry and ministry expression into our world and our community. I see that. I see a church defined by its generosity. I see a church defined by our heart to give and to serve and to meet the needs of our community. I see a church that is expanding her potential for the kingdom building that we're constantly doing everything we can to increase our ability to influence this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that takes money. It takes money to do that. It takes people to do that. It takes effort. It takes work. It takes supplies. It takes resources. Uh, it takes time. It takes intellect. It takes everything to expand our ability to reach this community for Christ and this world. And I believe that we're going to see that happen at Journey Church Ventura at Journey Church Ventura. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you are our supplier. You're our provider. You're the one who takes care of all of our needs. And Lord, I, I apologize. I've, I confess to you right now, Lord, that I, I get in fearful modes. I get in times where I, I, I have a tight grip on those things you've given me. 
And Lord, I pray that you would just help me to live with open hands. I pray that you would allow me to live with a generous heart. I pray that you would allow me to extend my heart and your heart to this community because Lord, there's no limit to your supply. You really don't need our money and, and, and Lord, I, I understand that. But God, you use it as an expression of worship to you. It's our offering, it's our tithe, it's our love, it's our trust. God, help us to be a generous church. Help us to be the church you want us to be. And I believe, God, that you're going to do amazing things in our lives as we continue to be generous on an individual basis and generous as a, a, a cumulative group of people you call the church in the body of Christ. Help us to represent you well in our giving. Help us to represent you well in our expression of generosity, not only to you, but to this world. And we thank you and praise you for it. And like always, at the end of a service, I've never failed to ask if there's someone that might be here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The first thing you need to know is that he provided for you is not money, but your salvation. He died on a cross so that your sins could be forgiven, my sins could be forgiven. He, he rose three days later so that you and I could have the hope of eternal life. And with that hope, he offers us salvation. And all we have to do is say, Jesus, conf I confess my sin. Will you forgive me of my sin? And he does based on the work he did on the cross. And we say, Jesus, I believe that you were raised from the dead. And that gives us the hope of eternal life. And then we commit to follow him for the rest of our lives. And if that's you today, and you have yet to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to pray this short prayer with me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I accept the work you did on the cross to forgive me of my sin. And I thank you for making me whole and taking away all those mistakes I've ever made. And I confess that you rose again three days later and now today promised me eternal life. And I accept that eternal life and look forward to spending eternity with you. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, man, there's nothing better. There's nothing better than praying that prayer. And I want you to let us know. Find a connection card either here on site or online. You can go uh, to journeychurchventura.com and let us know that you accepted Christ. And if there's any way we can answer a question or touch your life, please let us know. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.